0: Welcome to the World of Culture Pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinski. Culture,
1: comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop. pop. This is the Culture
0: Pop Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinske. Sue, you're looking great. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good.
1: You know, sometimes when you say, I'm Steve Mason, I feel like saying, and I'm Sue Well,
0: oh, We should do it. We can do it that way. Let's try it that way. Ready? Ready? Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason. And I'm Sue Kalinske. There you go. It's like See, 60 minutes. It, it is. It's like- <laughs> and I'm <laughs> Leslie Stahl. And I'm Steve Croft. And I'm Ed Bradley. So uh, here's my question. So, uh, you see, so if you listen to the show, you may or may not realize that we can see each other while we're doing this. We're doing this on Zoom, and our guest, we wind up seeing too. And so here's what I'm wondering Do you think my hair is okay, or should I wear a ball cap? Your hair is fine. You think it's fine? It's fine. You, it's not too much? You were blessed with really, really lovely movie star hair. Yeah, people do love this hair. Okay, so no ball cap. No, no ball. ball cap. All right, yeah. good, good. Uh-uh. So we are just talking about, as we got started, OnlyFans. And you don't know what OnlyFans is, right? Not really. Okay. I see
1: it, and like like an idiot, it's like, well, why don't I just look it up to see what it is? I just, maybe I'm not interested,
0: but... So OnlyFans is, is, this, is this platform where... You can, uh, where somebody who I think is like attractive or does porn, I think I'm doing this right, attractive or does porn, sells a subscription to their stuff. So, for example, if a woman or man is extremely sexy and well-built and all that stuff, uh, then they put up uh, photos, suggestive photos of themselves and you can subscribe to their page for $5 a month or $10 a month or whatever amount uh, that that you want to, uh, to charge. But there's also people that do flat-out porn. So like your favorite porn star, you can see them have porn scenes several times a month for a subscription. So that's what OnlyFans is. Do you understand it? So it's just to see them? Just to see them. Either see them suggestively or see them do porn, oh, God. so is there that anybody is- you'd pay ten dollars a month to see? No, no no That's what it is. Wouldn't pay anything to see somebody, yeah. Even somebody you really were fixated on, like, uh, who are you, who do you, do you have like a get out of jail free card? John Ireland, who I work with on the radio already always talks about this, a get out of uh, jail free card. Like if you had a chance to uh, get with this person, it would be okay with Tom because it's your person, right? It's, It's the guy you're into. So is there any movie star or famous person that would be your get out of jail free card? Mm. come on who is it there's somebody in your head right now you're afraid to say it say it I'm not afraid to
1: say it I've always had like a mad crush on Ryan Gosling
0: Ryan Gosling okay so if Ryan Gosling was putting out suggestive photos of himself several times a month would you subscribe no
1: no (laughs) it's just not my thing you know like like I like 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 um Playgirl magazine?
0: Oh, Playgirl magazine. I'm right, just saying,
1: yeah. I I don't I don't get excited seeing pictures of like naked guys, even if they're gorgeous. Yeah. You know? Um, it's it just doesn't interest
0: me. Yeah. So if I my get out of jail free card. So Emma, so if you had a chance to get with Ryan Gosling, would Tom say, Oh, yeah, if you can get Ryan Gosling, go for it.
1: There's no way in the world that he would ever think that that was really, okay. really, never, never, never. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring something up. I have a, a friend who, um, that a comedian friend of mine that I, I've been friends with forever, you know, yep. since like my late teens. And he, um, there are times where he would be inappropriate with me, but in a way where, he kind of like came very close to crossing the line. Oh, you know? okay,
0: yeah. You know,
1: he would say something suggests, or he would say, um, you know, tell Tom that you know I like basically I want to fuck you, but you know, without saying that. Yeah, sure. And and I would say to him, look, if you come to my house, you cannot make jokes like that in front <laughs> of Tom because he does not find that funny. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And Tom has an incredible sense of humor. Oh yeah,
0: he's really, really. And it's not
1: like you know he's he's like this conservative kind of you know crusty guy.
0: No, not at all.
1: At all. So, um, but but that's the kind of stuff that um, Tom does not enjoy. He doesn't.
0: uh, Yeah. So I do have a get out of jail free card. Who is it? Keanu Reeves. Oh.
1: Okay. Yeah. He's.
0: He and I are the same age. I grew up like Keanu Reeves. I followed his career. I'm a huge fan of Keanu Reeves. I love uh, the John Wick movies, and I love uh, the Matrix. Is coming out in December. I'm really excited about that. So that's my get out of jail free card. I think I think uh, Juan would say, "Well, if you can get with Keanu Reeves, go ahead. I forgive you." Really? Yeah, sure.
1: Now, do you, I, I, I'm I'm, but you-
0: and obviously, this is never never happening. It's never. It's I'm never gonna stumble upon Keanu Reeves and Keanu Reeves has a girlfriend and all that stuff.
1: I wonder if it if if that's how it is in a in a gay relationship as opposed to a heterosexual no,
0: relationship. Because no? because John Ireland has a get out of jail free card. His wife oh, says he if, if he can ever get with Kate Beckinsale. Really? Uh, that's who he would it. pick? Yeah, that's who he would pick, Kate Beckinsale. Wow. Don't lie that maybe maybe it's a guy thing. Maybe we talk about it. But right. but women don't talk about it. Maybe that's Yeah, it yeah, yeah. No, uh-uh. Uh, so I've got no chance with uh, Keanu Reeves right now.
1: <laughs> well, unless you give him a certain kind of pill, and <laughs> yeah. then, you get, <laughs> yeah. then you can get him. maybe. <laughs> Which pill is that?
0: <laughs> so, because uh, I, I am now weighing 209. 209. Wow, you really fluctuate, don't you? I am up. I am Are down. Are you smoking a lot I'm of up, pot? I'm down. Yeah, I had to. I'm giving up. Uh, I call it cannabis, right? Because it sounds better. Don't you think cannabis sounds better than weed? No. I think it does. Cannabis sounds more I don't know, it's just so, why? Do you think it's more intellectual or No, it's it sounds more medical. Cannabis. <laughs> yeah, sounds but, better than but, weed.
1: But I but I know that you're not using it medically. <laughs>
0: So yeah, no, I had to. I, I had to give it up. I'm, I'm. one day. I haven't done it so far. And I went. You, to the, you had to give it up. How yeah. many
1: times do you give it up? You know, you come all back more than Steve Howe after all of his, <laughs> all of his, uh, his his drug
0: busts. How so, many times
1: was he banned from baseball?
0: Oh yeah, he was banned from was, baseball like think it was nine times. I like three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went to the gym yesterday for the first time since pre-pandemic. And do you have to wear a mask? Got to wear a mask makes working out much much harder. Yeah. And so I'm on the elliptical machine. I go to this uh this little gym called A Tighter U in Culver City. That's the name of the gym. It's, it's called a Tighter. U. I've never liked the that, name. That
1: that would game. be the reason why I wouldn't go to that gym. <laughs> it's,
0: it's A Tighter and then just the letter U. So, uh they have got like the machines like the ellipticals and this the uh the, uh, what do you call it? The walking one. What's the walking one? The um, treadmill. Treadmill. And they've got huge pieces of plexiglass hanging between the machines. Plus you've got to wear a mask. And I'm like, is this really what it's kind of, is this what it's like at uh, at uh, sports club LA and all the other gyms? The, the, all I, the plexiglass.
1: I haven't been to a gym in forever.
0: So would you go I, back to a gym? No.
1: Not, you not, weren't not, really.
0: You didn't really go to gyms before the pandemic. I did. But I've I've continued. been a member
1: of Twenty Four Hour Fitness forever,
0: for twenty four years. Will later. you ever go back?
1: I would maybe go back to swim because they have a saltwater pool, which is really cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, they
1: redid the gym, so you know um, it's it's beautiful. But I want to get back to the name of this gym, tighter you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> isn't isn't every gym kind of a tighter you? That's like it's it's just so.
0: What weak? is it? It's so what weak. It's just lame. It is. I know the owner is a guy named Steve Zim, so I always call it the Zim Gym.
1: Oh, that that is so great. Zim, Zim Gym is it, cool, right? That's
0: what it should be called. Yeah, I call it Zim Gym because I would never normally say I uh, tighter U, just the letter U.
1: Well, just just the name in general, and the U is like. That's like candy with like a, an eye with a heart over the eye.
0: <laughs> it doesn't sound like a tough guy, Jim. It just
1: doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like it's going to do the job for some reason. It's just it, it's, it's, it's,
0: it's not going like, to do the job. It just sounds
1: like a like a horrible name of a clothing store where, you know, you just lost a lot of weight or
0: something. <laughs> yeah, a tighter you. So I was back there surrounded by plexiglass, wearing a mask. And this was the thing that uh, Steve Zim said to me. He said, you know, the mask is uncomfortable, but you lose more weight that way. And I thought, huh, I wonder if that's true. Do you think you lose more weight by breathing through a mask while doing your cardio?
1: This guy, this, I gotta, I'm gonna meet this this Zim guy. This Zim, this Zim guy needs to zag a little bit because I don't, I don't know. I mean, I I I like that he's trying to sell it that way. You lose more weight with a mask. Yeah, you lose
0: so, more weight. <laughs> It was. Oh my God! It was a nice consolation yesterday. Well, I, I guess I, wore my I don't mask know
1: when you when you look at like terrorists. I mean, they're all pretty thin, so maybe
0: <laughs> maybe that's true. <laughs> Stop! Stop! <laughs> all right. Well, enough of this. A tighter you, Culver City. Check it out. All right. You're listening right now. Our uh, guest today is <laughs> proudly a senior writer at Entertainment Weekly. He has interviewed some of the biggest stars in Hollywood for EW. He's written extensively about our favorite show, Succession. He has uh, seen some of the Oscar contenders this year, and he's written a brand new book called You've Got Red on You, a behind-the-scenes look at the 2004 cult classic movie, Shaun of the Dead. Clark Collis joins us. Clark, thank you so much for doing this. Well, no, thank you so much for, for having me. It's a great honor and a pleasure. So I definitely want to talk about You've Got Red on You, but I want to start with Succession, which you've written a lot about for EW, and we are huge Succession fans. And we read your interviews uh, with uh, Brian Cox and Nicholas Braun and Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom. So I, I guess, and I can't really explain this, why has America fallen for such despicable characters?
2: Well I I mean you can tell by my accent hopefully that I that I'm British and I have to say I think uh British people um must uh you know both be, uh, must accept both the praise and the blame for this for for to some degree uh, succession is a show created by uh, Jesse Armstrong, who is a Brit who worked on a uh, British political show called The Thick of It, which was kind of the precursor to Veep. A lot of the people who worked on The Thick of It then went on to to work on Veep. And, and both of those shows, if you've seen Veep, you'll know this, oh, yeah. you know, consists of you know, not great, uh, awful people being mean to each other, um, and that is a sort of recipe. Although Succession is very different, there is, is definitely there is definitely a lot of um, the DNA of those shows uh, in Succession. I've thought about this a lot during lockdown because I'm I'm someone who's you know, like a lot of people attracted to these shows with terrible people insulting each other, and it's something that I've really uh, gravitated to. In lockdown, I, I rewatched The thick of It. Um, I've watched The Sopranos a lot, which which is a different, which is a very different show, but it's also sort of a lot of terrible people doing terrible things to each other. And I don't know. I I'm not sure it says too much about. Uh, too much good about humanity necessarily that, that we've fallen in love with these um, terrible, terrible people. I will say, however, it's not just that they're awful, but, but they're hilariously awful. I mean, you watch Succession and, and the, the stuff that both the writers and through ad-libs the actors come up with, I mean, I mean, for a start, I can't really repeat nine-tenths of it on this show, I guess, but uh, <laughs> it is just deliciously spectacularly nasty, and I think I think that's it. It's people, you know. There is some sort of appeal in in these irredeemable, or so it seems, characters being being nasty to each other. We clearly must, you know, enjoy. Maybe you know, uh, as cavemen and cave women, we sat around and just watched people like poke each other in the eyes for sport. Uh, I, I don't really know, but I, but I think it's
0: something, uh, you know, maybe sadly elemental to to the show's appeal. Well, you know, it's it's huge. Uh, now, I don't know. No, are you are you in uh, England right now? Are you in the UK? I am currently in the UK. I'm, I'm based
2: in New York, but uh, uh, sort of any port in a storm uh, with COVID, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm yeah. so back in, in the UK, where where it's equally it's as big in the UK, I think, as it is in 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 America. I mean, the other thing with Succession, I would say, is that. I mean, covering Succession has almost become a full-time job because every single episode they come up with something that, you know, is just sort of, is is just the craziest thing you've seen on Succession yet. I mean, on the most recent episode, uh, Kendall Roy's birthday party was, was, you know, really had to be seen to be believed.
1: You know, you were talking about um, you know how despicable you know these characters are, and in one of the interviews that you did with um, with Nick Braun and, and and Matthew, who plays Tom, um, Tom and Greg, um, sounds like Tom and Jerry. Um, yeah. What what was what was so fun read, reading the article, um, the interview was that um, Nick was saying how the writing sometimes is just so out there and. You know, it's it's just so despicable, but it's so funny that the two of them would break character so many times during scene. And yeah. he, and he was saying, like, you know, how are we going to get through this? Because it was so hard not to laugh at how horrible that they were to one yeah. another. And he was saying how. Oh, oh God, I.
2: Yes, absolutely. I should point out that I'm sure, you know, 99 times out of 100, uh, Matthew and Nick do manage to successfully finish the scene. Um, but no, they were saying that uh, there are times when, when uh, you know, they will read the scripted lines, um, and it makes them laugh. And they, and they just about get through that. And then the writers who are on set, I guess, will throw in, like, old lines, which I think by this point they're so sort of – you know, barely keeping it together anyway. I mean, the, the instance that uh, Matthew was saying was that they gave him a lot of insults for um, uh, 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 Nick's lawyer, um, uh, Nicholas Braun's character as a lawyer, who, if you're familiar with the show, has a sort of, he looks a bit like Gandalf. Yes. From uh, Lord of the Rings. It's a dear I, Rheigard, I, who's a, you know, a great, and much respected actor, um, but you know they were sort of telling Matthew to say things like, "I understand you've got Smaug's lawyer, the the drummer, the the, the dragon from uh, Lord of the Rings or whatever." And <laughs> Matthew said, "I just can't, can't say this. I cannot. It, it will be. We should just if you've got if you've got the scene, let's move on because I cannot say these lines that you're that you're, you're giving me."
0: How much of the show, from from what you know, is ad lib? It's. It's really interesting I, I i it's funny it's one of those things
2: where the actors go out of their way to say how great the scripts are, so they spend half the time it's weird because they spend half the time saying how great the scripts are, and then half the time talking about ad living and I was talking to i think it was sana Lathan who's who's been a guest on the on the season uh on this season, and I said well how if the scripts are so great, why are you ad-libbing at all? You know? Uh, or, or and she said, well, the thing is, that if the script is great, it sort of encourages you to add lib because you know, you know, you kind of know you've got it. Or, you know, the, the script kind of raises your internal game, you know, so it just sort of encourages you to, uh, to add lip. Plus, I mean, there were times when, I mean, Nicholas uh, Braun was telling me about one, his, one of his first scenes in the pilot, which was directed by uh, Adam McKay, who directed Vice and, and Step Brothers in the Big Short. And Nicholas Braun said he just got in a cab. So the idea was that the scene was set in a cab, but he got into a cab, and, you know, the cab driver was an actor, but. Adam McKay out of nowhere said, "Well, so the, so the idea is that you know the cab ride, the cab fare is going to be fifteen bucks, but you've only got ten bucks, so you've got to convince the cab driver to get there for, for less money." Now, whether that, I don't, I'm not sure whether that was an original script. Presumably, there was, but but they, they, they were sort of encouraged right from the start to ad lib as well. But how much of it, you know, how much of it is is scripted and how much it isn't? I mean, it's not like. I mean, Kerber enthusiasm is famously unscripted, and people are just sort of told the beginning and the end of scenes, and and then they sort of make up most, you know, pretty much all their lines. Uh, I don't think that's the case with succession. Um, But, you know, uh, quite a lot of it is ad libbed, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, like I I did um, years ago, I had a small, small part, which unfortunately was cut from Judd Apatow's movie Funny People. And Judd, Judd is that kind of director where, you know, when we, I would, you know, we would do the scene a bunch of times. And then when he was doing close-ups, he would just, just shout out all this stuff. And it was, I mean, I was hysterical laughing. I was like, I can't believe you want me to say this. And, you know, and that's, and that's what he did throughout the entire film.
2: And it's interesting that you, Matthew was telling me about how when they were shooting um, his character's bachelor party, I think Kieran Culkin, you know, was saying something, Kieran Culkin's character was saying something disgusting to Matthew McFadden's character, and Matthew just couldn't get, just couldn't respond without laughing or corpsing, as we say in the UK, you say breaking in America. We say corpsing in the UK. Um, and so Matthew just couldn't say his response without laughing. And then he said, Jesse Armstrong, the creator, said, well, actually, your character probably would laugh at that. You know, it's a funny thing to say, so don't worry about it. And he said that sort of broke the spell, that, that having been given permission to laugh, then he didn't actually you know, feel like doing so uh, that anymore.
0: You know, uh, we've had a number of people on the show from succession. Uh, Justine loop was just on, uh, Alan Ruck has been on who plays Connor. And I think love is Mm -hmm. an interesting idea on that show. Like does Willa actually love Connor? Does Shiv actually love Tom? Or are these just marriages or relationships of, uh, Con- convenience what do you think I
2: um, I I find myself thinking about this quite a lot I mean I don't know about you but when I'm watching the show I sort of almost have a subconscious ranking of like who's best and who's worst or who's worst and who's like oh, yeah. the absolute worst but I also do that with relationships I think like who you know who sort of has the quote unquote best relationship here um, and I do think maybe Connor and Willa uh is sort of near the top. Um, but then, you know, uh but then Connor will say something or Willow will respond and you'll think, oh no, there's sort of this is like uh it's certainly for her some sort of, you know, relationship of convenience. Well I guess for both it's hard to know what, what is going on through Connor's head at all, to be honest with you. Um but I actually, you know, I said, I mentioned this to Alan Ruck and he sort of agreed that maybe um they had the better relationship but i think i mean it's a cliche i guess but but it's a tribute to the show that um, you sort of go up and down on these things and i think it it's a demonstration that they're really fully rounded characters i mean and i mean who among us you know who are in a relationship you know there are moments when uh people would be you know if they were to see Maybe there are pe- moments when people are jealous of your relationship, but then there are other moments. Maybe you know, half an hour later, when they're like, "Those guys you totally hate each other." You know, so it's it's uh, you know, it, it's maybe as I said, just a reflection of the you know the brilliance of the of the writing on the show and the performances.
1: You know, something that I noticed for the first time the last episode was Kendall's girlfriend they were having a conversation and i and i never saw this before but her way of speaking is is stilted just like shivs and i was like oh my god i mean is this purposefully done that she kind of is like his sister in a way like he's in a relationship with somebody that's like shiv
2: that hadn't actually occurred to me, but that's that's a good point, and uh, and I don't know whether I mean it, I mean maybe that is deliberate on the writer's. But you go back, I mean, I rem- you go back to uh, it's. That, I, mean, I remember studying Shakespeare at, at school, and you'd be told all these things that you know Shakespeare meant when he wrote a particular line, and you'd be like, "Well, did he mean all these things?" And and I suspect I suspect actually. You know, even the you know, I suspect the writers get so deep on this stuff that maybe they don't even consciously, maybe they themselves don't even consciously realize what they're doing, or maybe they do, and they're they're just sort of next level geniuses, which is uh, which is quite possible as well.
0: Uh, Well, let's close the book on the Waystar Empire here, and let's talk about your book. Uh, You've got read on you. How Shaun of the Dead was brought to life. So, in another lifetime, I was a production assistant on the George Romero movie Monkey Shines. And I got to see how he worked. And I got to say, it was the warmest, kindest set. Such a nice man. He sort of started the the whole zombie thing. And just in a general sense, why do you think zombies are so popular? Like, what's the appeal of the concept of zombies?
2: I think in a sense, they're almost the new Western Um that there was a time, you know, when the western the western was incredibly popular as 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 um, you know in in terms of films and TV shows. But actually, if you looked at a lot of those shows and, and films, there, there's sort of other genres with westerns as a, as a background to a to a degree. And I think that's the same with with the zombie genre that you've got a situation as with the western where there's a sort of natural amount of peril, but it's apparel that you can sort of background and foreground and also you can use it as a as a backdrop to, you know, essentially thriller we yeah, are horror movies obviously, but you know horror thrillers, horror comedies, um, horror romantic comedies, which is you know what Shaun of the Dead is to, to some degree, and that has become its own. You know, if, if we still had, if we still had um, video stores, you could have it. You know, a, a shelf of, of uh, romantic comedy zombie movies at this point. <laughs> and so I think that's it. and it but also, I mean, the success of The Walking Dead is the most obvious sort of you know i mean that for for a point and maybe even still is the most popular tv show in the world and and you know it has that sort of inbuilt who's going to die this week um appeal to it uh, i mean that's not its only appeal but um, there was a point in the early days of the show where for a couple of years every week I would do a post-mortem with Robert Kirkman, who wrote the original comic and was an executive producer of the show, and I would say, well, why did you kill off this character? And he would give, you know, reasons, but more often than not, he would end by saying, well, well Clark, we've got to kill somebody, you know, and uh, and I, you know, in a very sort of base level, much much of the succession, you're sort of... Um, sitting around waiting for like the killer line that's going to mentally destroy somebody, mm. uh, you know, rather more obviously on on The Walking Dead and you know zombie films generally, or the, the zombie genre generally, or sort of wondering who's going to get it next.
1: Um, what one one thing that I love so much about reading the book is all the inside, you know, this the skinny on you know who was approached to play certain parts. And one thing that you wrote about was that Helen Mirren was offered the mother Barbara role that um, Penelope Wilton ended up playing. And she said, I would only do the movie if I got to play Ed, which was his best friend.
2: That's, that's absolutely right. And yes, uh, so Sean's mother, um, in the film, it's kind of like the best mother in the world. Really, she's she's a very mumsy mum. If if you know, she's always got a uh, a tissue up her sleeve. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but she's like you know, uh, very much a mum's mum, I guess. Um, and they had written it for Penelope Wilton, who very famously played, uh, I guess, kind of mature, already mature, but but but. Uh, she was a, essentially a sitcom star in britain and very well known um but you know starred in sort of gentle sitcoms not the not the stuff i was talking about earlier and they thought um a that she was a brilliant actress who could play the role and b that it would be kind of hilarious to have this um uh you know very middle of the road you know someone with a very middle of the road reputation in this you know really quiet Quite gory horror film, um, but they approached they approached Penelope Wilton. She said no, she passed on it. Um, and then the the financial backers of, of Shaun of the Dead, Working Title, who are the people that made, I mean, Working Title were the people that made Four Weddings and a Funeral um, and uh, Love Actually and Notting Hill, and they had learned, um, or really they they had sort of based their their, their company on these very British movies, but these. British movies that had big stars, often American stars like uh, um, Julia Roberts and Notting Hill. Uh, and so they were very keen that Edgar Wright, the director of uh, Shaun of the Dead, and, and Simon Pegg, the star and co-writer with Edgar, you know, try to cast stuff. That was the phrase they used. They wanted to cast stuff, movies meaning. I mean, I interviewed one of the producers, and he was like, well, what you need in a film is someone who can sit on a couch a, on a, in a, talk show and you know promote your film and that's why you have stars so they can do that and they didn't really uh the the list of actors that, that edgar and simon came up with didn't really have that appeal so yes they went out to, to helen mirren who did indeed apparently politely declined to play um uh sean's mum, but wanted to play simon's best friend ed who's like a low-level drug dealer um and and a man i should point out as well um yeah. Uh, but that didn't really... I mean, I think she was sort of half-joking or politely declining, but it's funny because I talked to Nick Frost, who did play Ed, and he was like, well, it would have been great. You know, Helen Mirren in that role would have been amazing, and indeed, I'm sure she would have... I mean, quite what Helen Mirren would have been doing uh, sharing a flat with Simon Pegg, I don't know, but uh, I'm sure if anyone could carry that off, you know, then she could.
0: So, I mean, this is a cult classic movie. It is funny. It is... Original, it is crazy. Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, the guys behind uh, Shaun of the Dead. For for you, what makes this the kind of movie that you you want to write a whole book about?
2: Um, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, it helps that it's good. <laughs> if you're going to spend it, it helps. That, well, let me free rephrase that, because obviously good is, you know, some people think some things are good, and some people think other things are good. I really love the movie. I, I've watched it countless times now, and uh, uh, I still enjoy it. I would happily sit down with the two of you and, and watch short of the dead right now, um, which I could. Uh, but actually, I have a sort of slight personal connection that I grew up in a small town, in uh rural england called wells which is actually the town where edgar grew up and for a period not at the same time but we, we both worked at um this local tourist attraction called wookie hole caves and uh sort of as edgar's edgar's a few years younger than me but as his career kind of blossomed it, it just seemed incredible to me that someone from you know, the town i grew up in was becoming this incredible director so i kind of made it my business to interview him and uh Um, A few years ago, I did an oral history of of Shaun of the Dead for Entertainment Weekly magazine, where I'm a senior writer. And um, that seemed to go down quite well, and there seemed to be a good story to it. Um, But I had in mind that I would sort of... I mean, I'd interviewed about six or seven people for the oral history, and I thought maybe I'd interview six or seven more and would write a kind of, you know, breezy, 150-page book. But uh, maybe this was due to lockdown, but I wound up interviewing around 70 people uh, for a book that wound up being 450 pages long and there's more uh, sort of blunt instrument. Uh, you can definitely <laughs> beat somebody to death with my book. I mean, you're know, you, you, you you're not paying any extra for that. That, that comes free with it. Yeah. But, um,
0: yeah, it's a, it's a hefty term, a hefty term, but a readable one I like to think. It is very readable. It is really fun. Anybody – by the way, if you've never seen the movie Shaun of the Dead – It's, uh, I guess it's like about 20 years old or a little bit more than 20 years old now. Uh, It is still holds up. I watched it uh, in advance of talking to you and it still holds up and it's great. And the book is filled with really cool anecdotes and stories and the idea behind how it was developed. It is really, really fun. Um, And I want to let people know that the book, is, uh, is called You've Got Red on You, How Shaun of the Dead Was Brought to Life. And you can also read what Clark is up to by reading Entertainment Weekly, either in the magazine or online at ew.com. Hey, Clark, thanks a lot for doing this, man. We appreciate it. Really fun.
2: Well, thank you so much. I wish you had more time so I could grill you about uh, George Romero, who I also found to be pretty much... Uh, the nicest person I ever professionally met. So he's one of those people that you really wanted uh, him to be your uncle. So, so it thrills me that you had a similar experience with him.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Clark, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you both. Clark Collis, we've never done one on the uh, on the phone like that. Worked totally fine. Yeah. He's in he's in rural Wales. I'm pretty sure that's our first guest ever from rural. That's hard to say, rural Wales. I think it's the
1: first time we ever interviewed anybody who was in any place that was rural.
0: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. You're right. So, uh, yeah. And the, the movies, if you've never seen Shaun of the Dead, go check it out. It is so funny. It is so original. It's uh they call it a rom-zom-com because it's a romantic comedy with zombies in it. And, uh, it is really, really funny.
1: One, one of my favorite lines in the movie was, uh, Towards the end, when they're in the basement, and uh, he and his girlfriend, it's just, to them, it's imminent that they're both going to die. And she wants him to uh, kill her first. Yes, yes. And he says, why? Because you don't want to die single?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because they were engaged. It's classic stuff. It's classic stuff. It was really fun. So uh, I don't think I'm, I we will see. I mean, I don't think we're going to talk again until after the holidays. But you never know. Something could drop in um, at the moment. We don't have anything scheduled. Uh, this podcast is going to come out right around Christmas time. So how do the Kalinskis or the Tom and Sue uh, couple celebrate Christmas? What are you going to do this year?
1: We're actually going on a camping trip because we had to cancel our Thanksgiving trip.
0: Right. So we're
1: going with our Winnebago. Nice. To uh, Temecula.
0: Nothing says Christmas like a Winnebago.
1: Well, to us,
0: that's the truth. Correct. Now, will you have a tree in your Winnebago? <laughs> no. You won't have a little Christmas tree? We can't have a Christmas It's so small. <laughs> but I mean... It's not Christmas without a Christmas tree. I don't think it's very
1: safe to have a Christmas tree <laughs> in a trailer. <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, we'll have lights up.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Mm-hmm. We're going to go get our uh, tree this weekend. We get a little uh, Charlie Brown, sad little Charlie Brown tree. That's what we go for. You know, a little bit droopy and we our ornaments go on and it kind of leans to one side. That's <laughs> kind of what we, what
1: we that's, look That's for. the kind of tree that you buy. Like yeah, every, we buy year, that every year you buy the same type of tree. That's every, that's sad. That's every kind of year sad looking.
0: we buy sort of a, is,
1: is it kind of like an orphan tree that I mean, it's it like, it's so like kind of, the
0: tree that nobody wants mm. and we're saving the tree that nobody mm. wants. And then you dress it up. Exactly. We dress it up. So we're getting one Christmas present and one Christmas present only. Juan and I are both getting it this year. Do you know what it is? No, of course you don't. Of course I don't. Why would I ask you that question? Do you know what it is? It could be a you, million do, different do, things. Do
1: Have you realized that I don't live in the house with you? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so, so we are getting Oculus goggles. <laughs> now, do you know what Oculus goggles are? Yes, I do. So I am all about for 2022 virtual reality. I'm all about. <laughs> not about reality. I'm about virtual reality. Okay. That, so, that
1: would get old
0: in my house in like five minutes. <laughs> so now are you, do you have just on the surface, do you have any interest in this?
1: I mean, I'm interested in putting on a pair and seeing what it is for sure. Um, and who knows, maybe when I do, <laughs> that'll be our Christmas presents. That'll next be yours
0: too. So <laughs> here's uh here's the reason why we're getting them. So, First of all, I think the metaverse is going to be a real thing. And I think we'll all be in it. Like someday we'll be doing the culture pop podcast in the metaverse. Does that make right. sense?
1: No. Tell me okay. what, what does
0: that mean? So, so it's, the, it's the, it's the next dimension of the world, right? It's the, okay. it's, it's what Facebook is now. So one of the things you can do with these Oculus goggles is you can go to a game. And I put these on, you can put them on and go to a game that's offered by Oculus, that's offered by Facebook or Meta, they call it now, and sit on the court for an NBA game and have the complete feeling that you are on the court watching the game. And you cannot believe how real it is. Like if you, so you're facing the court and you see the game. You turn to your right, and there are the Laker girls. You turn behind you, and there are the fans. You turn to your left, and there are the announcers or the officials. You, in a 360-degree way, are actually at the game and courts, if it happens to be NBA, and courtside at an NBA game, which is something that even I have only done a few times. I've only sat on the court a few times. I've been close. But I've only sat on the – so it's a unique experience without spending the $2,000 per seat for courtside seats. Now, doesn't that sound great?
1: So you're sitting in your house with these on, and that's how it feels?
0: And it feels like you're at the game.
1: How much do these um, – uh, how, how much do the binoculars cost?
0: They're uh, Oculus goggles. Oculus. $499 a piece. Oh, okay. It's not crazy. No? So, like, uh, right around Christmas, there is a concert uh, by the Foo Fighters, which is one of my favorite bands, and they're broadcasting it on Oculus. So, I will be able to go to a Foo Fighters concert without ever leaving my house. And again, like 360 degrees, what it's like to be at a concert, including people cheering and all that stuff. I mean... I just think this is the thing of the future. Like Bieber has already done a concert like this. I didn't go. Adele is doing a concert like this. Um, this is kind of like the new thing going to games. Ultimately, you'll get to go to things without actually going to things.
1: So how, what do they do that makes it this Oculus event, you know, that gets through to the, what are they called? The o- Oculus? What are they
0: Oculus called? goggles, yeah. Oculus so goggles. they've got a 360-degree camera at the event. Oh, okay. So in other words, it's seeing 360 degrees around the camera, and that's what you're seeing in the Oculus goggles. So don't you think that is a great, fantastic, unique, exciting gift?
1: Yeah, and I think that the guy <laughs> at your gym should do that. Yeah. So you get to see it. I can't even say it. A tighter U from your house.
0: from your house. It's a good idea. You are really on my gym. Wow, it's a great gym. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm a sure tighter U, just the letter U. <laughs> so if I get the Oculus goggles and love them, we you can you can come over and try them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, they're they're fantastic. I mean, I've used them What do you before. mean if you get
1: them? You're getting them, right?
0: Oh, I am getting them, yeah, when I get them. Okay. You can come over and try them. Can I come over and play with your Oculus goggles? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. Uh, all right. Well, Sue, uh, you know who makes this show possible? And probably so. Jacob Imrani. Jacob Imrani is a huge USC football fan. And in fact, you know, they hired a new coach. Have you heard that? Yes, I did. Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. You mm-hmm. know how I found out? How? Jacob Amrani texted me. He's a huge fan of the Trojans, and we immediately started texting about it. He's a huge sports fan, official sponsor of the Lakers, official sponsor of the LAFC, follows all our local teams. You know, and he pointed out to me that having a great coach means everything, and that's what Jacob is. If, if you get involved... In a car accident, motorcycle accident, you or your kid or a friend at work, he will coach you through the whole thing, like Lincoln Riley. Let Jacob talk to the insurance company for you. Let Jacob get you in, in to see a doctor within 24 hours. Let Jacob handle all the paperwork. And as head coach, he's got a team of people that will help you to win your case and get you the justice that you deserve. The insurance companies have got some of the biggest, baddest attorneys there are, but Jacob, is bigger and badder, and he will fight for you and make sure you get compensated fairly based on the facts of your case. So, remember, any kind of accident, any kind of injury, uh, Uber or Lyft accidents, by the way, remember the number, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB, or remember, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Called, called Jacob. Jacob. There you go. That's a great way to wrap up the year. Maybe. Yeah. Woo. You never know. Fa- it's award season. You know, uh, award season, all kinds of people are out on the uh, uh, the uh, interview trail. So yes. we could have somebody before the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Because uh, there's some great movies out there. There are. You saw Power of the Dog, right? So Power of the Dog. I saw House of Gucci.
0: Um, so give me a little uh, House of Gucci because all I know is I've seen the trailer and it looks really, really, it looks fun to me. Is it fun?
1: It is fun. It's sad. Oh. Um, you know, well, because the story is sad.
0: I didn't even know um, the story.
1: And I got to tell you something. I had no idea that Jared Leto was in the movie. <laughs> really? I had no idea. Yeah, he looks so when, all
0: made up. And-
1: so when, his, when you know the character he plays came on the screen, I didn't know that it was him. I didn't know it was him until I saw the credits. So I'm watching it and I'm like, I this guy, I, he's like my favorite in the movie. Like, who is this guy? Who, who, who's playing him? And then I saw it was Jared Leto. I was like, oh, my God. And I was so happy that I didn't know before. Yeah, yeah. But everybody was great. I mean. How
0: was Lady Gaga?
1: She was phenomenal. Was she really? Just the range of her character. Um, she's, she's, she's someone who's going to win an Oscar. If she doesn't win it for this, she's going to win it for something.
0: Cause you she, know, she really has the goods. This is an acting Oscar. You know, she actually won an Oscar for that song from uh, star yes. is born.
1: I, I, I mean,
0: I mean, as an actress. an acting Oscar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, she was great. Adam driver was great. Pacino. I, everybody was really, really good in it.
0: I can't wait to see it. Can't wait. And what about power of the dog? I've seen power of the dog.
1: Power of the Dog really grew on me after it was over. I just kept on thinking about it. And um
0: Isn't that the yeah. great test of a movie? Like how long it sticks with you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was really kind of uh kind of a different role for Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, you have never really seen him play a role like this before. Yep. And um
0: and directed by Jane Campion, who's to, just a I legend. Mean,
1: so, you know, the movie is going to be beautiful.
0: <laughs> yeah, it looked <laughs> and, great.
1: And the score, I mean, that's one thing that really struck out, that really stuck out for me was her use of the of violins, of string instruments, um, how stuff like built kind of slowly and then, and then had like that, that like kind of like, like 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 How's it go and, again? It was like sweet mm, it had like <laughs> sweet and sour kind of notes mm. to depict a change in in a moment. I you mean, should was, do a
0: score for a movie. It, <laughs> it,
1: it, it was really just yeah, brilliantly it's a, it's, it's done. It's, it's and and really beautiful. I mean game. beautiful to look at.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh well, Sue, I hope I talked to you before the end of the year. But if not, Put up a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree in the Winnebago to celebrate the holiday, please. We we actually
1: have a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree that we had um that that that, that we kept and we planted it in a pot in the backyard. Really? And is yeah. it still there? It's still there. So um we're gonna we're gonna decorate that. And try to squeeze thing.
0: it into the Winnebago. No, I'm not gonna put it in the Winnebago. <laughs> All right. Because I w um, I don't
1: want the Winnebago to burn down.
0: Uh, one more uh, plug. Uh, the podcast today has also been brought to you by A-Titer-U. Just the letter U. <laughs> and Milos. And Milos Jelenkovic. Jelenkovic, Uh thank you very much for all the work he does on the show. Uh, and happy holidays to him, too. All right, uh, Sue, thanks very much. Have a great trip in the Winnebago. Hopefully we talk to you before the end of the year. Yes, absolutely. If not, Happy New Year. And uh, we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.